Well, hello once again, Jack Mitchell podcast listeners. Uh, long time no see, at least when it comes to podcast communication, which is kind of a one-way communication. Uh, excited to announce, and by now you've probably realized it, that we are bringing back the Jack Mitchell podcast once again here in late summer 2023, I guess in some ways you might consider it season three of the Jack Mitchell podcast after season one in the basement, uh, season two being last year from April to late October, November, uh, and then now season three, and we're getting started again for, for a couple of reasons. One of them is that uh, I'm now affiliated with Podcast House Media, which is uh, the company that owns KLIN Radio, where I work, and we are, uh, we're trying to make a place for local and regional podcasts to reside, uh, find some independent podcasts that might need some help getting the word out about who they are, and I'm getting exciting about, excited about the world of podcasting uh, again, and we thought might make a lot of sense right now that we've got the site going, that we've got our social media going for Podcast House Media uh, to get more Jack Mitchell podcast on there. So we're starting again. Uh, my plan is to go weekly once again on this, releasing on Thursday mornings, and this is the first episode. This is an interview with Jake Bogus. Now, if you don't know who Jake is, uh, he might remember him remembered him being in Lincoln Radio, sports radio back in the day. Uh, he left sports radio, and he is now in the world of teaching, and he's teaching middle schoolers right now. But he's got an incredibly interesting story of going from Hollywood trying to be an actor to Lincoln Sports Radio to the classroom. And so we're going to go over that, and there's so many questions and conversations, especially surrounding me as a parent right now, about what's going on in our schools and with our teachers that I've got a lot I want to ask him about that too. So we'll do this. It was kind of lengthy, so I divided it into two parts. This is part one. This is kind of kind of going to cover his background, his radio days, his Hollywood days prior to that, and then eventually transitioning into the into education. And then we'll talk more of the education issues specifically with him on the second half of the podcast. So I hope you enjoy it. Welcome back to the Jack Mitchell Podcast. Again, check us out at podcasthousemedia.com. Find some other podcasts to listen to as well. And uh, don't be afraid to hit me up if you have any questions. Let's get it going. Welcome back to the Jack Mitchell Podcast. It has been, my goodness, it has been one, two, it's been like, it's been like eight, seven months, seven months since we did an episode. So the way that we do this in the podcast world is... Instead of saying I just took seven months off, is uh, I'm saying we're starting season three now of the Jack Mitchell podcast, and that is what we are doing. Um, and I already talked to you a little bit in the intro about PodcastHouseMedia.com, but I am uh, I'm starting things up again. I'm very excited about it. I had a big list of people that I didn't get to in season two that I now have the chance to hopefully get to in season three, including today's guest and. I thought since we were starting this thing back up in early August, I've got a, uh, I've got a seventh grader, a seventh grader, God, I gotta think what grade she's in. I've got a seventh grader going back to school and now I have a freshman in college for the first time going to school here, uh, about a, about, uh, a little over a week from when I'm recording this. And somebody who's been on my list, um, is a man who, <laughs> I've said this before in podcast intros, it's super weird, but I've never met in person, but I have talked to extensively, thanks to the magic 
of Twitter. And he is not the first guest on this podcast that has been that way. In fact, there have been several during season uh, season two. You can go back and listen to a whole bunch of them. But he he's in a profession, and, and he's a guy I always think about when I think of a profession uh, because he's been open about talking about it. He's very passionate about it. And I think he's got some interesting things to say, and we have a lot in common. And so I have invited our guest, Jake Bogus. He is a teacher at SCO Middle School. Um, he uh, grew up in Minden, uh, but he's been in Lincoln for, for quite a while now. I knew him first because he was on the radio like me, and I listened to him on the radio. And then lo and behold, I find out he's become a teacher and then I'm 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 watching his tweets about being a teacher. I'm fascinated with them. I'm I'm finding out we got a lot in common, a lot of same interests. And I said, okay, I got to get him on the pod. Uh, he's right on the top of my list. And now is a great time to do it. So Jake Bogus, welcome to the Jack Mitchell Podcast, Season Three. How you doing? I I'm doing great. Uh, I'm flattered. Um, thank you for having me. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Uh, Minden, Nebraska. So Jake was telling me before we got rolling that he is now the second guest from Minden, Nebraska. In fact, the, the second guest from like the same age group in Minden, Nebraska. I had Brett Moline on. Go back and listen to last season, uh, because Brett Moline out in LA now and he's a writer and an actor. And we talked about some secret Marvel project he was working on at the time. I still don't know what it is. Um, but, but, uh, you and Brett are Minden guys. So tell me about growing up in Minden, Nebraska. Yeah. I mean, uh, I had a good childhood, Jack. I, uh, I, I love growing up in small town, Nebraska. Um, of course I didn't know any different. And, um, yeah, Brett was a good buddy of mine. He's still a good buddy of mine. I could text him right now and we could catch up easily, but he's, um, we were both big speech and drama and band nerds. We love public speaking. We love being on stage. Um, I, I'm, I'm sure you understand that kind of naturally translate translates a little bit to radio and, uh, in a, in a weird way, almost to, to teaching as well. Cause I perform every day for, for students. So, um, yeah, growing up in Minden, um, very different than, uh, what my children will go through growing up in Lincoln. But, um, I had a good childhood, man. I enjoyed growing up in Minden. Yeah. I was going to say, do you have like a, do you have, do you have a positive reflection i mean and i'm sure that goes back to your family and and everything else but like we, you didn't obviously choose that life you don't have that life what do you think about it when you think back on it um i wouldn't trade it i um that's a good question so um yeah i, I mean i got a great education there had great teachers uh had, had a little family trauma had had divorce when i was in middle school my parents did um that of course changes things. Um, but I found good friends to surround myself with. I found good families to surround myself with. And, um, I found some things that I was interested in, uh, like speech, like one act plays, like band, like music. And, um, it really made me feel even more at home. Um, we had kind of talked a little bit before, we we did this podcast that I actually spent a year in California right after I uh, graduated high school. I got in my little 1999 Saturn and my single mom and I drove out to uh, Los Angeles. And uh, yeah. Why? What, what, what was the thinking here? Well, I, I was going to be famous, Jack. I was going to be I was going to be a Hollywood star. Um, you know, it's something in the water in Minden. 
we have had, uh, I would say, more than five or six Minden Whippet grads who have decided just to go out to California and try their hand at acting and just live the life. Um, and, I mean, and, I, I went out there and I had less than $20 in my name. And um, I, I had two roommates who I had never met, two dudes living in a one-bedroom apartment in Fullerton, California. Um, I'm sure you can imagine coming from Minden, Nebraska, driving to Southern California, the culture shock that I had no idea. I mean, oh you're, my talking to a guy, you're talking to a guy that never drank, never smoked in high school. And I went out there and the first night, I kid you not, I met my roommate and he said, we got to go drive out to the canyon and uh, we're going to listen to Pink Floyd and smoke pot. And I said, <laughs> I, I said excuse me? <laughs> and and he said, "Yeah, man, like that's that's what we do at parties out here. We're going out." And I and I said, I, "Listen, man, like that ain't me. I'm I'm not doing that." And I was terrified. And so, um, yeah. So that was that was one year of my life. Oh my god! Uh, Hold on. Like so, like mom supported this. She was yeah. okay with this. She she brought you there. Yeah. So my mom's my hero, man. My mom, uh, single mother. Uh, worked several part-time jobs. She went back to school to become a special education teacher um, when I was in middle school and high school. Uh, I get my sense of humor from her. She's a tremendous lady, and uh, she's still teaching. She teaches in Arcadia. Uh, she's a preschool teacher. And um, I, I had a couple speech and drama coaches and a high school guidance counselor. Uh, my mom tells me this now, but when I t- Told my mom I want to go to California. Um, you know, she gave me the spiel that we don't have the money, you can't do that, like it's not gonna work. Um, and so I said, screw it, I'm gonna start researching colleges we can afford out there. And I went to Fullerton Junior College for a year. Um, I my mom used every penny she had and uh got me out there. She balled at the bus stop, she rode the bus back to Nebraska. And you've got to be kidding. Um, this, this is insane. Yeah, Jake, this so, is insane. This is making my it, life sound boring. Oh my gosh. Well, I, I mean, but here's the thing that my coaches and my, my teachers, they told my mom, they said, you have to let him do it because if you don't, you'll always regret, regret it. And so, um, I spent a year out there. I spent about six months trying to be an actor. I realized about, three or four months in that (laughs) this thing I had done in high school and been so successful at, um, and, and performed on speech teams and won every award that you could and all that crap. Um, it was a whole new ball game in LA. And, uh, um, and so it didn't take me long to realize, like, I don't, I don't want to do this for the next decade. It's not me. I don't want to wait for some lucky break. Um, and I missed home. I missed Nebraska. And I, I was the PA guy, um, at our basketball and football games in high school. Um, and I loved announcing things and, uh, performing. And, um, I, I decided, you know what? I'm, and I love sports. And so I was like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna become a sports broadcaster. I switched my major out there uh, second semester, took some 
intro courses at the JC. And then, you know, by January or February, I knew I was coming back to Nebraska. Right. And so, you know, my mom was like, well, where are you going to go to school? We don't have any money. And I said, I'm just going to take out a boatload of student loans and I'm going to go be a Husker. Cause I, I just said, I got to go to Nebraska. I got to be a Husker. She said, why not UNK? Why not anywhere else in Nebraska? And no joke. I was just like, mom, like, I got to be a Husker. I got to do it. And I went to UNL and uh, the rest was kind of history, man. I hooked up with Rick Alloway, yeah. hooked up with uh, Chris Schmidt at ESPN 1480 at the time. Uh, I remember my night. My what night, year is this? What year is this? This was 2007, 2008. Okay. Okay. Uh, I think you'll get a kick out of this story. I, um, my 20th birthday, I had, I had been taking classes at the J school here in Lincoln and it was a lot of hard news stuff. And, and I liked writing a lot, but I just said, sports, sports, sports. That's what I want to do. And I mean, the professors were incredible, but there just wasn't a lot to do with becoming a sports broadcaster in your freshman or sophomore year at college. And so in tears, I, I, I went to Rick Alloway and I said, Rick, I said, I know I'm talented and that, that sounds really cocky, but I had to be confident because this was kind of my last shot. Mm -hmm. I said, Rick, I know I can be good at this mm -hmm. and I know a lot about sports and I'm passionate about broadcasting and words and writing and I need a shot somewhere. And he gave me Chris Schmidt's card at ESPN radio and he said, this is all I got, man. You can call him and ask him if, you know, they need help. I called Chris Schmidt five minutes later. I walked in there the next day with a shirt and tie, and I became the producer and intern for him, Jason Peter, and Jeff Wilkerson. Oh, my gosh. I And I remember that show. Oh, yeah. I remember that show because I grabbed Jason Peter after that on my show. But mm -hmm. um, that's crazy. And Schmidt's the only guy who's been in – about the only guy who's been in the radio business in this market longer than I have at this point. Yeah. Yeah, which is crazy. I mean, I used to listen to him. When I was, used to listen to him three years before I got into radio, listen to him and Bill Dolman. I still remember his show. I, t I tell him this every time I run into him at a cocktail party or a wedding or something. I'm like, sure. Schmitty, I still remember the Monday after the Harrison Beck game against Kansas State, you and Bill Dolman, I was raking my lawn, and you guys were going nuts about burning Harrison Beck's red shirt, and I was just – it was great radio. Yeah. And so, I mean, he's across the street. I'm probably not supposed to say that stuff. I tell I him know. every time. Like, I have great – I have great memories of – Listen to that show and Bill, and then remember that same that same thing with Peter and the Nancy boy. And I remember you guys; yeah. you, they had a billboard up on on Pioneers that you could see from Lamar's Donut, where he was grabbing his tie. Man, yeah. I remember all this. I'm a radio nerd, so yeah, I didn't cool. even know that. I remember the spread. Uh, the spread, you know, yes. yeah, the spread on 1480. That's what it was. Um, if it, I mean, Jeff Wilkerson is a very private guy, but he and I are still very good friends. And I forgot about him. Man, I totally forgot about him too. Yeah, right. And and I think that's purposeful. I think he wanted to kind of be done. Yeah. And and out of the the light. But he, uh, yeah, he's living in Southern California now, and he's doing stuff with ethanol and the corn board in Nebraska for a while, and comes from a farming family. And he and I we chat regularly. 
Shopify helps you sell at every stage of your business. Like that, let's put it online and see what happens stage. And the site is live. That we opened a store and need a fast checkout stage. Thanks, you're all set. That count it up and ship it around the globe stage. This one's going to Thailand. And that, wait, did we just hit a million orders stage? Whatever your stage, businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for your $1 a month trial at shopify.com slash listen. Oh my gosh, I'm adopting a puppy right now, but I realize what's at home. Oh no, I have nothing. Well, except unconditional love. But yeah, no crate, no pee-pee pads, no dental chews for his little puppy teeth. Before I doubt myself as a new parent, I just get Instacart to deliver everything from PetSmart. Easy, just like raising a puppy is going to be, right? Get pet essentials from PetSmart with Instacart. Visit instacart.com to get free delivery on your first three orders. Offer valid for a limited time. $10 minimum per order. Additional terms apply. That was uh, that was an early, yeah, that was an early sports radio show that yeah. had, when, when uh, like, okay, so it was already going, so you got there in what, 07, is that what you were saying, 08? Yeah, 07, 08, so I, I'll tell you, man, I, I remember sitting behind the soundboard, and my only job was to take calls, and, because um, they kind of had this producer, they called him Camel Light, but because he was just this chain-smoking, blue-collar guy. Uh, his name's Chris Wood. If he ever hears this, I love him, man. He's a great dude. Uh, and so you didn't even have to run the board. They brought you in to just work the phones. I'm telling you, Jack. I begged him for a job. Dude, I said, I said you don't even have to pay me. I said I just I want to be a part of something special. And I heard them go on the air, and I heard Jason Peter talk football, and I heard Wilkerson and Schmidt give analysis, and I felt so at home. Yeah. I was like, this is what I got to do, man. Like, this is me, and I can do this someday. And, um, you know, one thing led to another. One guy changes jobs, money changes hands, and they and they said, hey, do you want to produce this show? I said, sure. Um, throughout my last two years at, at UNL, I was doing, of course, stuff for KRNU. Some buddies and I had a sports talk show, and um, – yeah, I mean, this will transition us probably into a different conversation. But um, I was running a total <laughs> call it. I look back at it now and it's it's laughable. But my buddy and I were running a, a site we created called Double Take with Tanner and Jake. And uh, we had a podcast and we would throw stuff up on YouTube. And our big hit was we did a we 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 basically begged Keith Mann to uh interview a bunch of football players and do this whole parody on Eric Martin becoming the quarterback of Nebraska football. <laughs> and it was, it was comedy gold. I mean, this is Cody Green days, Niles Paul days. This is early days of Utah. I mean, this is fair. I mean, this sounds like something you would do in uh, 2021, 2022. Right? Not then. So well, I'm impressed. Thanks, man. So we did that. It got a lot of hits. Um, and then, uh, my buddy Tanner, he graduates and I said, I want to still do this podcast. I want to still put out content. And so I, uh, another buddy at college named Wade, it became double take with Wade and Jake. And we had another huge YouTube thing that showed up on sports illustrated's page, um, that we, we went to Manhattan, Kansas, 2010 oh. and 
we posed, we posed as Kansas State fans. So we had all this K-State gear on, and we went around and we interviewed Kansas State fans, and we said, hey, who do you think is going to win the game? What do you think is going to happen? And you're talking to all these drunk college kids in Manhattan, and they're talking about how they're just going to kill Nebraska. And Wade looks at me when we got done filming it, and he says, what are we going to do like if Nebraska doesn't win? And I said, we're just going to pray to the football gods that Nebraska wins tonight. <laughs> and then it and then was, them. and they then you had them. the best night of your life. <laughs> yes. Yeah, so they, they destroyed them. We, uh, because I was with the university, I was a student. They allowed me to use Greg Sharp's audio and his clips and everything. Oh my gosh. And we intertwined that with, uh, with the interviews. And so it was comedy and sports illustrated picked it up. Um, and you know, at that point, you know, big old Lincoln, Nebraska, I thought I was hot crap, man. I was like, <laughs> Oh yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm the dude I'm making it in sports radio. I'm going to do this. And I caught wind that there were a couple dudes that have much more money than me that wanted to start a new sports talk radio station. Um, Initially, it was going to be Chris Schmidt, who was program director. Uh, there wasn't. There wasn't. Interesting. There wasn't, yeah, there was not. I, I mean, I'm I'm still friends with Schmidt, um, but there wasn't really like any direct conflict. But over time, the project took so long to get going that I think Schmidt just said, "I I can't do this right now." And next thing you know, Jim Keck, rest in peace. Roger Dodson, rest in peace. Ron Romero. They came to me. I was 22 years old, and they said, "Do you want to start this new sports radio station?" And I said, "Let's rock." So that's how it all came about. That's crazy. That here, here's a funny thing. There's a picture with that initial group that the ticket was supposed to start, and our uh, guy who does traffic for us, who's doing it then, Chris Lofgren, he was going to be a part of it for some. Like he's in this picture. I remember. Yeah. At the beginning, and I don't know what it took too long or something, and he wasn't a part of it. He didn't, and now he's still. He, he'll be doing traffic with me tomorrow on the show. Still, yeah, I, I got a lot of nostalgia and a lot of mixed emotions about that. Not, not in like a, in, a, in necessarily a negative way. Uh, there was just, I mean, I was twenty two, Jack. There was a lot that was going on that I couldn't fully understand because I didn't understand the media world, sales. Uh, putting together a product. Um, I mean, I was taking advice from so many different people about how to get going. I was nervous. Um, I had just met a girl that would become my wife. And, um, you know, it, it was just a very difficult time in my life. I didn't have any money. And I just was like, well, this is my baby and I got to give it a go. And I, I think I know what I'm doing. You know, we, I look back on that. There's so many things I would change now that I'm 35. Like I look back and so many things I would have handled differently um, if, if I were in charge, but um, I, I met some super good people, some uh, I, that are still friends today. Uh, Ron Romero, uh, John Gaskins is still a really good buddy of mine. Uh, Another name from the past. Yeah. Tom Stevens. Tom who worked uh, um, with, who worked with me before that. Yes. And, you know, I, um, I, 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 this is a little bit of a, uh, of a side note, but I, but I think you'll in, enjoy this. Um, 
somebody had mentioned to me that you need to call John Gaskins and, and he needs to come do sports radio. He's great. And, and so I got in touch with him and I, and um, I told him about the, I mean, it's a 22 year old kid trying to sell a new station to a 33 year old guy. And he was in Sioux Falls mm-hmm. and he came down to Lincoln and we went out to eat and we talked. And um, I, at that point I was just like, I, I, I we got to have warm bodies. We got to have people who know what they're talking about. If we're going to get this thing rolling from 11 to six every day. And John was great. Um, John is, is one of the hardest working people and most dedicated to his craft that I have ever met. He is also, I hope he hears this. He was never at a meeting on time. Uh, (laughs) He, 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 uh, he could never hit a post. He could never run the soundboard. There were so many times when I would walk into that studio and be like what are you doing and but when the lights went on and he was on air he was phenomenal for us um but what i was going to tell you and i and i didn't have any real experience with this i didn't think of it much at the time right as i right as we were about to we we offered john a job and i say we i say uh jim keck roger dotson ron romero and ron yeah and John walks out of the the office with me and he goes, Hey, I really need to talk with you about something. And I said, yeah, man. I I said, what's up? I was like, you got the job. Is everything okay? He goes, Hey, um, I, I, he said, you're young. So I feel comfortable telling you this. He said, uh, he said, I'm gay. And he said, do you, do you feel comfortable hiring me to do sports radio as a gay man? Mm Mm-hmm. And I said, I, I didn't know how to respond other than, sure, I guess. Like, I don't, I I mean, I was not a homophobe by any means. I had nothing against anybody's lifestyle. Um, I don't know if that would have been the case if I hadn't lived out in California for a year. Yeah, that's interesting. And, and um, so, yeah, but he felt very scared. And he told me. At the time, I mean, he is out now and he has pictures up of him and his husband and and he's very comfortable with it. But given something that has such a, um, uh, you know, the 25 to 54 male demo, um, you know, Mm -hmm. middle class white guy who is a sports fan. um, It was something he was really scared about and he felt he would be he, he wouldn't be a good fit because he's gay. And and you know what? It never came up. Nothing like that ever came up again. I said, I, I'm not worried about it. If you're not worried about it, he never told Ron. He never told Jim. He never told Roger. Um, and there was there was just one day when his boyfriend came in the studio and they're like, who's that? And I'm like, I don't know. You have to ask John. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, ask him. I'm not I'm not breaking the news. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my gosh. You should go. I should go back. Gaskins and I used to have some interesting Twitter interactions, but everybody knows how I am on Twitter. I end up, <clears throat> I end up in fights with everyone for stupid reasons all the time, and uh, we had we we had a few of those because I think he I get the sense I get the sense he and I were actually pretty similar in some ways. I've never met him in person. One of those things where I talked on Twitter, but I I think he and I were probably very similar from a radio perspective and a social media perspective. I agree. Um, he, uh, 
you know, I mean, he's a radio guy. He loves to talk. And so impulse control can be difficult at times. But I, and I but that's just part of the, the territory that you're in. And um, he, yeah, he is he is one of my favorite human beings, man. I, I, I tell you what, he, he loves to travel. Um, his husband has a, a few kids from a previous marriage and they live together. But um, I, I was going to tell you, he comes to Lincoln, man. Next time he's in Lincoln Dude. or if you ever get a chance to have him on the podcast, to get a word in because he talks a lot. Yeah. Um, he, Next, he's a fun, fun guy to have a couple drinks with. Next time he's in Lincoln, if you see him, invite me out for a little while if you don't mind because yeah, yeah, that'd be good, and I'll set up the podcast then. Uh, okay. Because I think that I mean, fr- frankly, it's pretty fascinating how uh, how how a guy like that just even gets into the sports radio world, right? In yeah. in Lincoln, Nebraska, and decide and all the experiences that go along with that. To yeah. be honest, because I know, I mean, there was a, at some point, and again, I, I didn't have a problem with it, but I, I found out I th- because of something he said or something he tweeted, yeah. and I was like, wow, I didn't expect that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He, um, he was very careful about how he was going to go about it. And, yeah. um, you know, I, he was never um, publicly out when he was in Lincoln. Uh, I think he became much more comfortable with it when he was in South Dakota, but you'll have you'll have to ask him sometime. I yeah, maybe I thought he was it. Maybe I'm wrong. You would know better than I do. Yeah. I don't know. We had good interactions at the end, and yeah. But uh, anyway, nonetheless, okay. So wh- by the way, what so what shows were you doing, and what shows were you on at the ticket? Okay, so that's confusing too. So um, I'm telling you these stories. These are like more like you and I are catching up because we've never actually talked before. So I feel like this is more like just between you and me and like people are going to be listening and they're whatever. like, whatever, don't care. Yeah. My podcast, whatever. That's right. So, um, when I got the job, um, they told me I'd be hosting with, uh, Adrian Fiala. And, um, I mean, I, I didn't know much about him, Jack. And so, um, I, I'm sure you have just as many stories. I, as I and, and that, so the funny thing is, I, I worked with Jason after you worked with him. I worked with Adrian before you worked with him. Sure. So, um, I mean, we had, we had many pancakes and coffees at Village Inn and, um, many donuts at Lamar's. And we began to discuss how we were going to do our radio show. And, um, the age gap, the generational gap was very apparent to me early on. And um, as I'm sure so many men and women have experienced in sports broadcasting, the, the dichotomy between a journalist and a former athlete can be difficult at times. And, and it was for me because I, I cared about the craft. I cared about um, doing things right. I wanted to to have people listen to us and think it was um, an intellectual show. It was um, a show where there was a good discussion. And um, in the meantime, I'm getting pushed by sales and the GM to uh, stir the pot Really be that young guy that doesn't know what he's talking oh, about. Oh god. Oh. Yeah. Uh, I know I know I mean I don't even need to I know exactly how that you felt at that moment in that situation with him. And 
And, uh, you know, it's, um, this will give you an indication. The first day the station went on the air, Fial and I were doing a show from three to six. And he said, um, he had Johnny Rogers coming in studio. Right. He had old, he had his, I remember your show. He had, he had old ex teammates on all the time. Yeah. All the time. And I, uh, I was obviously fine with that. I mean, it's, it's the jet and he's there and it's the first day. And, you know, I, I was excited and nervous and here comes Johnny with, uh, I, I don't know if it was his girlfriend, his wife, I don't know anything about his personal life, but he had a beautiful woman with him and he had purple cowboy boots with gems with, uh, rhinestones on them. And he and Adrian are just chumming it up. And I, uh, I get the show going and we get going about 15 minutes into it. I was like, I, I knew, and I know you understand this. I was like, this isn't good radio. Like this just is not, it doesn't feel right. Yeah. Um, and, and if anybody's listening, they know it's not good radio. And, and I got, and I got super nervous and I remember very specifically or vividly, um, show ended. Um, I went home that night. I was living in a little piece of crap duplex with a couple buddies. My girlfriend came over and I cried. I said, I can't do this. I, I can't, I cannot do 15 hours a week on the air. Um, it was nothing personal against Adrian. I know exact. You don't. I know exactly what you mean. I know exactly what you mean because you know it's not going in the right direction. You don't want to disrespect him. That's right. And and I knew. I I started to understand based on um, what others would say about the respect that he garnered and and what a legend he was in the broadcast booth. And so. I really tried to to um, to work with it, Jack, and it, it, I I I was tiptoeing every day, and um, you know, it got to the point where we got we got done with the Super Bowl, and I had told Adrian like mid February. I said, "Hey, man, we gotta." I said, "We we do need to talk some basketball, like." It's, it's going to have to happen. And, and he said, sure, go ahead. Like, what do you, whatever you want to talk about is fine. Like you can talk about it. Just set me up and I can do it. And I was like, do you want to like, do you want to go over like the roster or like talk about the schedule or, you know, and it was pretty evident that um, he, he didn't, and this is fine. Cause I don't have any knowledge of like, Husker wrestling. Okay. Right. Right. He didn't know anything about Husker basketball. Right. And, and so, but here's the thing is he, he was very prepared to cover it up and try to do it well. And so I was like, Oh man, like it was painful. And so I, I, he, he had, he was the kind of person that you could not confront and say something like that to, and without him getting very upset. And so I just said, I went to my boss and I said, I will continue to work with Adrian 
during football season or as long as you want me to. I said, but this is the time of year where like, he's just not fit. Like he needs something special for him. And we brought Sipple on. Sipple became my co-host uh, for about six months. Um, Steve Sipple was the best co-host I ever had in radio. Uh, really? <laughs> um, no offense, Nick Ba, if you're listening. Yeah, wow. No, yeah. wow. No, I love Nick. Cool. Nick, Nick, no, like Nick, and I'll tell you about Nick here in a second, but uh, Steve, Steve's, Steve's personality and sense of humor played off very well with my radio style. Uh, just like Matt Schick is a perfect match for Nick Ba. When I worked with Nick, I, I couldn't get there, Jack. Like I could, like I didn't have that bond with Nick that yeah. um, I did with Steve. Yeah. And so I hosted with Steve for six months. Uh, things were going so great. And he called me one night. Uh, like my wife and I went out to dinner with him and his wife. Steve called me. And he said, dude, I got some bad news. He said, Journal Star is not going to let me keep doing the show because of some contractual thing and they needed him more for football season. And I don't know what it was, but he said he was done. And so then we went on the hunt for a new co-host. Um, Nick Baugh had just, I don't remember everything that had happened, but he was done with 1620. Yeah. There's a lot to that. I, I could get sure. into that, but we don't need to for the story. Yeah. No, no. And um, sorry, this is getting long winded, but it's fine. Um, uh I had a lot of fun with Nick, really hardworking dude, came prepared every day, ready to talk about every sports topic, uh, fed really well off of me setting him up. Um, I mean, Nick, Nick Boz, he's a pro man. I yeah. mean, it's yeah. And um, Nick had told me he was thinking about doing other things in the sports world. And I was, I kind of had one foot out the door in in like I just couldn't keep living in this lifestyle of constantly changing hosts, constantly not having health insurance. Um, not I mean, I I I wanted to get engaged. I I wanted to have a family, and I was like I I just don't think, with all due respect to your wife and family, I was like radio feels very much like a bachelor's game. And I and I could not do it at the time. They were giving you health insurance. You didn't no get health insurance. insurance? There was no health insurance. Jeez. So I. Uh, God, I didn't know that. Oh my gosh. I. I uh, Romero was always kind of a sage. I could go talk to and vent to, and I loved talking to him. He he understood me, and he knew I was going through a lot um, as a young guy. And I just told him one day, I said, Ron, I said, I'm going to put in my two weeks, man. I'm sorry. I said, I need, I need to just kind of do some self-reflection and figure out what I want to do with my life. And super understanding, great dude. Mm -hmm. He's like, we'll pay you for the two weeks. Take whatever time you need, man. Just go. He's like, it's okay. He's like, it's fine. I get it. And and yeah. that was it. That was the end of my radio. Career. That was it. And yeah. When did you know, when did you know teaching was the next step? Great question. So uh, very soon, my uh, my mom's a teacher, and uh, I 
like I said, there's a lot of things in teaching that, that go with, um, the broadcasting and acting background. Um, I'm performing every day for, for kids and it's like, there's part of me that is like, um, Keating and dead poet society. Like I, I, I feel like I got to have fun with those kids and I got to help them figure out life and and really i know it sounds corny but seize the day and yeah but man that's the dream if you're like i've thought about it even like uh you know i thought man i would love to do that and that's what you're thinking about is dead poet society when you do it when you're when you're thinking about it and i'm mean, gonna guess you don't have that experience all that often of people standing up on the desks and talking about yeah. the sweaty tooth madman and that sort of stuff that's right, right? <laughs> yeah so i uh you're gonna you're gonna think this is wild too so uh, I went to, uh, LPS's website and, uh, I said, you know what? I'm going to, whatever job is at the top of the list. For a parent, <laughs> okay. I'm going to, I'm going to do it. Wait, 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 like listed first on the top of the list. You just mean I'm going to apply for it. I'm just going to do it. Whatever it is, whatever school it is, whatever it I is. Wanna, yeah, I just wanted to be a para. I wanted to be in a school. I wanted to help kids. And <laughs> I didn't know anything about Lincoln Public Schools at the time. Uh, the first job listed was Yankee Hill Behavioral School. Oh. Okay. And quite, I mean, I, I shouldn't say quite. It is, it is the toughest, my opinion, the toughest teaching environment in the city. Uh, these, are, these are kids that are on their last their last lifeline as far as getting kicked out of school or going to juvie or kids that are behavioral concerns uh, have participated in illicit activities. And I went there and worked as a para for two years. I was kicked, bit, spit on, told to fuck off as many times as you could imagine. But I told myself, I said, if I can teach here, if I can help these kids, I can help anybody. And this is your first job in a school. First job in a school. What, what are you thinking, man? Oh my uh, gosh. What were they thinking when you came in green like that? Well, I, mean, like I don't think anybody has to tell you that right now there's a teacher shortage. There's a para shortage. I mean, like, it's tough to find yeah, more. There is now. I didn't know that there was then that much, but I mean, I was making 14 bucks an hour putting kids in holds, Jack. Oh my gosh. Um, I mean, I remember I went to the, the behavioral training and I'm not a very strong person. I'm six, four, one ninety, but I'm not very strong. And they're teaching me, you know, if a kid gets aggressive with you, how to put them in holds and how to defend yourself. And I was like, what have I got myself into? But, but I, I might get a little emotional, but what I, but what I really liked about it was that I really discovered that relationships in teaching and education are so powerful. Um, and I remember so many of those kids that I helped and was able to get to know that education becomes so much more than, um, you know, sine, cosine, and tangent, and reading Shakespeare, mm -hmm. um, doing your math worksheet at night. I mean, these kids have zero interest in that. Mm -hmm. So I have to find a way to connect with them. I have to find a way 
to find a common interest so we can get along and we can get through our day and they can respect me. There were obviously moments out there at Yankee Hill, and this is what you're talking about. There were moments that filled you up despite not being prepared, despite not making any money, despite, you know, just doing unpleasant things the entire time. What were those moments that filled you up for a And I know you refer to them, but like, what are you talking about? When does that happen? How does that happen? Uh, when, when you call home and nobody ever responds and you know, you're the only person they've got, um, when, you know, their brother just got arrested and they're going home and the only thing they've got in the cupboard is, is some Cheerios. Um, like they're like going to school is the most beautiful building that they will be in for a long time. Um, and even if it's just shooting hoops with the kid or talking about, you know, his girlfriend that he broke up with or what he's going through with in his life or how we can help him become a better human being. Um, those were the things that, that really made me certain that I got to find a way to get my own classroom and I got to find a way to become a teacher. So it wasn't that there were, there were moments it it motivated you. It it was clear. It was not the destination for you, but it motivated you to get involved earlier, I guess, to some degree. Is that fair? Yes, it is. And um, with, with all due respect to your craft, because I've, I've been there. Um, I, I, I needed based on the situation I went through in sports radio and at the ticket, I needed fulfilling work and I needed fulfilling work that when I go to bed at night, I know that I'm contributing to society and I'm doing something to help make it a better place for everybody. And and talking about the third string running back in April was not it. And, and so, it. and that's yeah. why I was like, I got to do something else with this, you know? I get and, it. Yeah. Um, I mean, yeah, there's days I miss radio. Um, but most of the time I don't, um, I, I really, I, I'm, I, I did my, I had my fun with it. I thought I had my dream job at 22, man. Mm-hmm. And, uh, it just wasn't meant to be things, things went a different route. Uh, Doan has a tremendous fast track program for um, non-traditional students. So if you have your bachelor's, um, we need more teachers, Jack. So listen closely. Uh, they have a program that if you already have your bachelor's, they uh, you you take one year, 45 credits, a bunch of summer school. And uh, in the fall, you do practicum. In the spring, you do student teaching. And you pray to God you get a job in the fall as a teacher. Wow. And that's what I did. That's quick. Yeah. What so, are you what are you doing there? What what are you learning? What do you what is that what's that track look like? So it was fascinating. Like man. is it stuff is it hard? Is it stuff you know? Like I'm so curious. So that okay. So great question. There is no substitute for being in front of kids and actually doing it. Mm-hmm. You have to fail. 
Like you have to see the things that you suck at and need to get better at. Uh, because if you want to be a good teacher, just reading about good teachers isn't going to help you. Right. Um, I mean, yes, there is all of the, um, you know, the, yeah, I need, I need to know what a 504 plan is or an IEP for a kid. And yes, I need to know about dyslexia, how it affects the student. And I, and I know that stuff, but at the end of the day, like I, I need to learn how to teach by actually trying it and by what, or by student teaching and watching someone else do it. And, um, I got super lucky, man. The stars aligned again. Uh, my student, I, I was a student teacher at Lincoln Southeast for Jackie Kellison. Um, she is now the head of social studies curriculum for LPS. Oh, nice. And, um, she was, she's tremendous. She's a consummate professional. Uh, she's one of those people that you work with and you ever been around somebody that like, you know, they're really good at their job and they're, they're professional around you. Um, but they don't really ever, you can't ever really tell if they like you or if they think you're doing a good job. Like she never gave me any compliments and like, she just kind of let me be. And so I would go home after doing what I thought was an awesome lesson for sophomores at Lincoln Southeast. And, and I would think like, well, did Jackie like that? You know, like I have no idea. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, but then she wrote, you know, I finally, I got to read her recommendation letter. And I was like, you've been sandbagging me this whole time. Like, you, <laughs> you've, been, you've just been watching me awesome. and haven't said a word. That's awesome. <laughs> So that's it for part one of my episode of Jack Mitchell Podcast with Jake Bogus. We will be releasing the second half of the interview where we get into the teaching career, into all those policy issues in the education world right now on August 17th. So check for that either at podcasthousemedia.com or your favorite podcast provider on the morning of the 17th. Until then, have a great one.